any among you suffering, they should pray. Or any cheerful, they should sing songs of praise. You should pray. So would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was another Sunday morning at a different church with your typical Sunday crowd. We did all the things that you do in church on a Sunday. We read, we sang, we listened, we gave, we received. I stood. I announced the final hymn. Everyone stood up. We grabbed our hymnals and we started to sing. It was a good hymn, one that I didn't need to look in the hymnal to, to know the words. And so instead, I did what I like to do sometimes. I spied on the congregation. Over the horizon of my hymnal, I looked out at all the people who had gathered in worship that day. And the first person who I saw was a woman. A woman who that week had told me that she was going to divorce her husband. The husband who was standing right next to her, singing the same hymn in church. And so I, I kept glancing around, and then I saw the high school senior who had recently confided in me that she had been accepted to every single college she applied to. But now she had what I call the paralysis of analysis because she did not know where to go. And then I saw one of our ushers who darted out the back door as soon as we started to sing the hymn, and in his hand I saw the cigarette that he told me he was trying desperately to not smoke. It's one of the privileges of being a pastor is you get to know your people. And so we were singing I was looking out at everybody, and before we rounded the first verse into the second, I looked at Don. And Don stood up straight, and then he fell down in his pew. What do you do when something like that happens? We tried to keep singing for half a verse, and then it fell apart, and I, I ran from the chancel to go check on him, and other people from the church surrounded him. And thankfully, we had three nurses in worship that day. And they went quick to work. One of them laid him out on the pew. The other one opened up his airway. The other one got on the phone to call the rescue squad. And I stood there not knowing what to do. And I said, what can I do? What can I do? How can I help? How can I help? And one of the nurses turned around and she looked at me dead in the eyes. And she said, preacher, you could start praying. <laughs> so I did. Right there. I closed my eyes and I started to pray and pretty soon I felt someone's hand on one shoulder and then another hand on the other shoulder and I prayed for a couple minutes and when I said amen I opened my eyes and every person in worship had made a big circle around Don and we were all praying for him and wonderfully as I said amen the rescue squad arrived they rolled the stretcher down the center aisle and they put Don on it and they took him and put him in the ambulance and they took him away so what were we to do then? We, God's people, while well, we finished singing the hymn. But an hour later, I was in the car driving to the hospital to check on Don, not knowing what had happened. And when I made it to his hospital room, I walked in, and miraculously, he was sitting up in his hospital bed with a big toothy grin on his face, and he said, Preacher, I learned my lesson. No more skipping breakfast before church. <laughs> he was diabetic, and he hadn't eaten anything that day. And after sitting in the pews for a long time, when he stood up to sing the hymn, all the blood that was supposed to get to his head didn't make it, and so he passed out and fell down in the pew. And so while I was in the hospital, I said, Don, how are you feeling? And he said, Preacher, I don't know, but I do feel all the prayers. I do feel all the prayers. 
I don't know when it started, but for as long as I can remember, I've been my family's designated prayer, even when I was a little kid. At some point or another during a family function, all eyes will move to me, and it's expected that I have something to say to someone up and above about what's going on. It only got worse when I became a preacher. Let me tell you, you can't go a lot of places with people when you do what I do without someone at some point saying, Preacher, would you like to offer a word? Every once in a while, I can be in a place and someone else will pray, and it's delightful to just sit and listen to someone else pray. But then what usually happens is when they say amen, they look at me and they say, Well, why did I, if you, why did I have to do that? You're the pro. Why didn't you pray? But I confess, I've never found prayer to be an easy thing. I've never found it to be an easy thing. I'm not even really sure how I learned how to pray other than just being around people doing it all the time. And it's rather strange to stand and to pray on behalf of God's people week after week to stand in a place like this and on behalf of all you lift up something to God. It's another thing entirely to come here every day during the week and to pray in an empty sanctuary, to walk all through these pews, placing my hands on them and to pray for you by name. It is a strange thing to pray. And yet prayer is at the heart, at the very heart of whatever it means to follow Christ. However, we don't often talk about or even think about what prayer is. It's just something we do or we expect someone else will do it for us. James, the brother of the Lord, writes of prayer almost as if it's a foregone conclusion. If anyone's suffering, they should pray. If anyone's cheerful, they should pray. If anyone's sick, they should pray. The community called church to which James writes, they know nothing of life except a life of prayer. And yet, for many of us, myself included, we often see prayer as a last resort, not as our first resort. And when push comes to shove, we'd rather take things, matters into our own hands than we would like to lay them before the throne of God. When you don't know quite what to do, if we want to be the masters of our own destiny, why bother getting God involved? Who knows what he's going to do? And yet prayer is more than just a laundry list of things we want God to do. As Sarah said, prayer is the expression of a relationship. It is, to use the big seminary word while I push my glasses up, a dialectic. It is a conversation between creator and creature. Prayer is where Christianity becomes practical. Prayer is indeed something we do. It is, oddly enough, who we are. The church is God's prayer for the world. Prayer is what separates us from any other organization of people who get together. But perhaps on a more simple level, there are three types of prayers, and they can be summarized in three words. Help, thanks, and wow. Help, thanks, <clears throat> and wow. Prayer happens when we cry out for aid, when it seems that there's no aid around at all. It's a plea when we can no longer help ourselves. You see, God helps those who can't help themselves. Prayer also happens when we're able to take a look around and see how amazingly blessed we are. It's communication of gratitude to, toward the one through whom all blessings flow. And prayer also happens when we experience those moments of wow, those moments of awe. And it's more than just saying thanks. It's, it's like you look at your life and you say, I can't believe, God, that you were able to do that. Considering the circumstances, God, I can't believe you were able to do that. Sometimes prayer takes a lot of work, a lifetime of reflection and dedication. Sometimes prayer happens, it billows forth from us without us even really thinking about what it is we're doing when it happens. 
Karl Barth, my favorite theologian, said that to be a Christian and to pray are one and the same thing. He said prayer is as necessary to a Christian as oxygen is to a human that needs to breathe. Faithful prayers are those that are offered up and open us up to possibility because prayer is the ultimate recognition that we're not in charge. Prayer deconstructs all of our preconceived notions about what is and isn't possible. And frustratingly enough, prayer teaches us to be patient. No one likes being patient. We've all come of age into a world of instant gratification. We want things right now, but prayer makes us patient. A world is based on speed, but prayer is based on patience. Prayer is a reminder that God's time is not our time, that God is God and we are not. You see, prayer is not often about getting what we want. Prayer is about getting what God wants. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Because I knew that I was going to be talking about prayer today in church, I spent a lot of time this week talking with folk from the church, from the community, walking my son to school in the morning and the afternoon, talking to random people if they so dared to speak to the preacher. And I asked one question. Have you ever had an answered prayer? Have you ever had an answered prayer? And you know what's pretty awesome? Every person said yes. Every person I asked this week, have you had an answered prayer? Every single person said yes. I heard about job searches and relationships and children and parents and homes and healings, on and on and on. I told the staff this week that to me, this church is an answer to my own prayers. Before I came here in July of 2021, I spent 18 months serving a church where I had to talk into an iPhone every morning in an empty sanctuary for worship. It's kind of soul-crushing doing worship by yourself in an empty room for a year and a half. And then I got a phone call from the bishop. Hey, Taylor, we're sending you to Raleigh Court United Methodist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Have you ever heard of it? No. <laughs> Guess what? That's your home now. On the 4th of July, 2021, I came to my first worship service here. There were 160 people in church. It's the first time I had been around 160 people in 18 months. <laughs> and we worshiped together. We prayed and we, we laughed and we read scripture and we had the sacrament. And when we got to the final hymn, I hadn't been with people singing a hymn together in a year and a half. When we sang the final hymn my first Sunday, I was standing right here. I remember clear as day. When we got to the fourth verse, I turned around. It was this really holy moment. You know, I was gazing at the Lord's cross. Fun fact, we tell the truth in church. I was crying. I want you all to think I was being faithful. You know, look, I just didn't want you to see how many tears were streaming down my face. To be with God's people in worship. It's an answer to prayer. The good news of prayer is that God listens to us. The creator of the cosmos listens to you and to me. The good news of prayer is that God answers our prayers. Sometimes it occurs in ways that we cannot know for a long, long time. Another pastor friend of mine, every time he prays, he writes down what his prayer is, and then he waits a month before he looks back at it again. Because if you say, Lord, I need a sermon, and you open one eye and you hope for it, it's probably not going to land in your hands right away. But a month later, you can look back and say, wow, God did answer my prayer. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. At least not in the ways that we would like God to answer. But that's because our most faithful prayers are not, let my will be done, O Lord, but let thy will be done. Prayer is the fuel that makes the church the church. 
But prayer is also one of those things that you can't really talk about. Prayer is one of those things you just have to do. So I would like you to remember my smile before I tell you what we're about to do. We're going to pray for each other. And this is going to be extremely uncomfortable for a lot of us. But I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. In just a moment, I'm going to encourage everyone that is here to pair up with somebody else. The only rule is you can't pair up with the person you came to church with. You don't have to find a complete stranger. If you have your best friend here, you can find them. You just can't pair up with the person you came to church with. And what we're going to do is we're going to pair up. We're going to spread out among the congregation. We're going to pair up. And I would like each person to share one thing you need prayer for. There are a lot of people in a lot of places that need our prayers. Absolutely. And we can pray for those people. But I want us to think personally. We're going to pair up, and I want you to share one thing you need prayer. And it doesn't have to be ultimate confessional moment. Don't look at the person as your priest. Father, forgive me. It's been a long time since I've come to confession. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't need that. Maybe it's, I need more patience with my children. Or maybe it's, I could use getting some more rest at night. Or I'm afraid of what tomorrow might bring. It doesn't matter what it is. But I would like every person in this church to share one thing you need prayer for. And then I would like everyone to listen to somebody else share the one thing they need prayer for. And then we're going to pray for each other. Now, when we pray for each other, it can be as simple as, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. It can be more complicated. You can add a bunch of adjectives onto who God is, whatever you want to do. The whole point of this is every person who has come to church today will be prayed for, and every person who's come to church will pray for someone else today. The other thing is if we have an odd number of people in the room, whoever is left standing will have to pray with me. So that should encourage you to find a partner quickly. So I know that this will be uncomfortable. I know that it will. You should have seen the looks on everyone's faces at the first service when I announced it this morning. But the church can only be the church when we pray for each other. If we can't pray for each other, then we can't really call ourselves the church. Prayer isn't just something we do, it is who we are. So remembering that this is Pastor Appreciation Month, (laughs) I'd like you to all rise as you are able, start to mingle, find someone nearby to pray with. We'll take like two to four minutes, find someone, share one thing you need prayer for, let them share, and then pray for each other.
As we start to find our collective amens, I encourage you to return to your pews. Well, then you can pray after church, Steve. Well done, good and faithful servants. I heard actual prayers being offered. Thanks be to God. I was struck this week. On Monday, uh, many of us gathered here in the sanctuary for Hannah Glisson's service of death and resurrection. We read through the liturgy, and we read scripture, and we prayed for her and her family. And we have a, a wonderful book of worship in the United Methodist Church, and we have these wonderful prayers. And one of the prayers that's in the service of death and resurrection, I've said it hundreds of times, and, and today, or this month, past Monday, I, I think I realized kind of for the first time how amazing one of the prayers is it's the last thing we say before we have the Lord's Prayer, before we have a benediction, and, and we say this prayer, God of love, we thank you for all with which you have blessed us even to this day, for the gift of joy and days of health and strength, for the gifts of your abiding presence and promise in days of pain and grief. We praise you for home and friends, for our baptism and place in your church, with all who faithfully lived and died. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, who knew our griefs, who died our death, rose for our sake, who lives, and who now prays for us. What an amazing thing. That even when we don't know what to pray or how to pray, that Jesus prays for us. What a relief. That even if we don't have someone in the pews praying for us, that the Lord prays for us. Prayer changes things changes us. It changes the world. So you needn't fear if you don't know how to pray or what to pray. Because even the Lord prays for you. Could there be any better news? And so I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen.